I've never used that word in a sentence before. Anybody ever used the word perfunctory in a sentence? So I, I began to, I, I, I documented it down in my notes section on my phone, which I still have right here in front of me. So I began to look this word up. And I believe it's very applicable for this moment because here, here's what the word perfunctory means. Little effort. Minimum effort. Routine. Mechanical. Lacking interest. Lacking care. Lacking enthusiasm. Ready to move on. Reputation. Dull. Bored. Uncommitted. And here's the last part of it. To get through something. And I thought about this as we were worshiping today. How one day when we come face to face with the King, are we just going to nonchalantly roll up and just kind of be in His presence? And are we going to have a worship in our hearts, in our body language? When our, you see, our body language is everything. When, when You can kind of tell girlfriends, boyfriends, husbands, and what you can tell when that body language is off. And see, when we come into the presence of the King, I believe there needs to be some enthusiasm. And anybody know what I'm talking about? We, we can praise the Chiefs, and we, can, we can't do much with the Royals right now, but we can, we can praise the Chiefs, but yet when we come in God's presence, we act like we can't even lift our hands. We act like we don't really have much to give to God. Can I tell you today, we, we, we have to be careful not to give God little effort, perfunctory. We have to be careful not to give God just our leftovers, right? We, we have to be in a place where I don't want to lack enthusiasm. I don't want this to become boring. I don't want this to become repetitious, right? So I, I want our perfunctory to turn into praise. Amen? How many is with me on that today? I, and, and God spoke this word to me, but I believe it's applicable to the church. We have to come out of our perfunctory ways. Lacking enthusiasm and lacking involvement, lacking wanting to be a part. Just get on and move on. And once 1245 hits, we're going to be gone and we're off to Culver's. Right? That can't be how we respond to the gospel and how we respond to church, how we respond to the king, how we respond to a worse. It can't be. Let's just get through this. Some things you've got to push through. But we all have something that we can praise through. We can praise God for this past week. What have you been through? What have you gone through? What issues? What trials? We're still all living. That's something to praise God about. We all still have breath in our lungs. And God's providing for us. So what I want us to do is... And you say, Pastor, I'm just not that type of person. Well, I beg to differ because I've seen you in different environments. I, 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 I'm not buying it. If you're selling it, I'm not buying. 
Because I believe we all have a praise that we can give to the Lord today. And so we got to come out, hear me, beloved, we got to come out of our perfunctory ways, our lackadaisical ways, and we got to praise the Lord. Let everything that have breath praise it. You know, if we don't praise the Lord, the rocks are going to cry out. Does anybody want somebody standing in to praise for you? You certainly don't want a rock praising you. A rock doesn't even have life. Rocks don't, don't even have a spirit. We have all of those things. And we have the blessings and the goodness of God upon our life. So right now, I want us to just lift up our hands. I'm not trying to be critical. I want us to understand we're in the presence of the King today. And we need to have some enthusiasm in our hearts and upon our lives. And we got we can't, it can't be just about little effort. God, I give you everything. Come on, just lift your hands for a few moments. Lord, I just worship you. I bless you. I praise you. Lord, I come before you in a place of humility, in a place of repentance. And I just ask God for you to forgive me for just coming into your presence, just kind of in a lackadaisical way. Just kind of being lazy when I come in here. Lord, I, I come in the presence of the King today and I want, I want you to, I want a, it to be a sweet savor, a sweet aroma in the nostrils of you, my praise today. Not that I'm good, but because you're good today. So Pastor Sandra, can we sing through that one more time? And I want us to just praise the Lord for just a few more moments. Amen. And let's just give God His due worship. Real with God. I'm best yes. for you. Yes, amen. Oh Lord. I'm lost without you. Come on, I want you to lay your hand on your neighbor right now. We're going to start praying just for a few moments. Come on, lay your hands on your neighbor. I'm lost without Come on, in the name of Jesus, we pray, God. I pray that you would touch my brothers and sisters in Christ today, Lord. Oh, touch hearts and touch minds, touch lives, we pray today. Oh, God, help us to come out of our lackadaisical ways. Let us seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto us. Lord, we give you praise and glory and honor today. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today. We're in the presence of the king. 
Lord, we give you glory and we give you honor. I pray right now. Oh, hallelujah. That no weapon formed against your people will be able to prosper in the name of the Lord. That, that health and healing would be our plight today, Father. Oh, we give you praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we give you praise. LT, will you hang with me for just a little bit? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, praise team. What an awesome job today. Remain standing just for a few moments. I want you to prepare your hearts and your minds. We're going to receive communion here in just, just a little while. And I promise you, I'm not going to preach very long today. I know. It's like, Pastor, here we go. We're going to have to do an altar call for the pastor because he's lying. No, I'm, I'm really, we're going to condense this down. And, and, and today, I, I actually had a whole other message. I spent six hours on a message yesterday. That was just my gr drafting it up, getting it prepped and ready. And then the Lord changed it about 4.30 this morning. So we're going to be in the book of Revelation this morning. I'm just going to read a few passages of scripture. Go ahead and put on the screen. We're just we're going to be receiving communion here in just a little bit. Uh, John, if you don't mind just putting that on the screen for me. So the scripture verse, I don't have a title or anything today. We're just going to be raw. Amen. Revelation chapter number one, verses seven through eight. Revelation 1, verses 7 through 8. Behold, he comes with clouds. Look at your neighbor and say, behold, he comes with clouds. Say this next part, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him. And all kinds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so, amen. Verse number eight. This is Jesus speaking. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. In other words, he is the only true God. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, he's the only true God. He's the only true God. I am the Alpha the Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Which, that word there, the Almighty, when you look that word up in the Greek, it, it guarantees that He is able to accomplish what He says. He's able to accomplish. He's able. How many knows He's able today? He's able to accomplish. How many has a need upon your heart right now? in your spirit you have something so taxing on your mind right now something that's that's trying to draw your affection away right now come on just lift your hand you got that all right let's pray father in the name of jesus you see all these hands lord we place these things at the foot of the cross right now understanding that you are the alpha that you are the Omega, you are the beginning, the end, the first, and the last who was and is and is to come. And so, Father, right now, we place these needs at your feet right now. The things that keep us up in the midnight hour, we place them at your feet. And we ask that you would help us through these times, Master. We ask that you would increase and I would decrease. And everybody said, 
Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready. Get ready. You may be seated in God's presence. So just a few verses. LT, just stay with me just for a little bit. And then we're going to receive communion. It's a little bit unorthodox today how we're doing things, but that, that's okay. How many is just ready to go in and dive deeper into the things of God? Amen. I'm ready. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm ready. Look at your other neighbor and say, get ready. I, I want us to understand something. That there is an antichrist agenda trying to take over our land. There is an antichrist agenda trying to take over our land. I drew a parallel a few weeks ago as we have been in our series on Joseph's journey, okay? And I said, just as Joseph's life seems to be one of setback and seems to be one of attack, one attack after another, one setback after another, one misfortune after another, this is where we are in the body of Christ right now. Amen? And I want us to realize that the reason that we are being attacked is because we are favored. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I'm favored. I'm favored. There was an attack from the enemies of Joseph being his brothers. That There was these attacks upon Joseph's life because there was a blessing on the horizon. There was a tax because there was a blessing on the horizon. So the pit is temporary. The pits of life. Anybody ever thought just life is just the pit sometimes? And you deal with these struggles and you don't know why I'm here. You've tried to do everything right and you've prayed and you've sought the Lord and you've fasted and all these things, but you don't see things happening. The pits, you understand, are temporary, but the prize is eternal. There's an eternal prize. So the tactic of the enemy is to get you to quit before the miracle manifests itself. That is the, the duty of the enemy is to get you to quit before the miracle is able to come to fruition. God is setting the stage, but the enemy is setting the stage. And he's trying to hinder you and hamper you and keep you off course the best that he can. So Joseph saved, you understand, he saved generations because he kept the temporary pain and the struggle in perspective. He saved generations, generations of people. His people were now going to be set up in Egypt and they were now going to be this generation that blossoms in the things of God. So Joseph saved generations because, because he kept temporary pain and struggle in perspective. And this will not, he understood this, and you understand this, that the things that you deal with in life will not last forever. Has the enemy ever tried to tell you that you're never going to get out of this? You will never get out of this. You have failed miserably. You will never make it back from this. You'll never bounce back. You'll never recover. You'll never move forward. These are the tactics of the enemy. How many knows we serve? We serve a God who is able to change, who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all which we could ever ask or think. And we also have an enemy that's a devil who's a liar and a thief and a robber. So we got to ask ourselves, whose report are we going to believe? Look at your neighbor and say, whose report are you going to believe? Joseph saved generations because he kept 
the temporary pain and the struggle in perspective. He realized that the pains of life, the struggles of life, were not going to last forever. How many knows the Bible said weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning? I said weeping endures for a night. We've all cried ourselves to sleep in situations and struggles that we've gone through in life. Whether that be loss, whether that be uh, family members of ours that are going astray, and you see it, you there's an urgency in my spirit today to really try to just grab hold of people that are slipping their way into hell and trying to recover them and get them and set them back on track. I'm talking about it in a loving way. Sometimes you want to grab them up in not so loving ways. But there's also time, I, I feel it in my spirit, there's, there's a generation right now that needs to see the love of God like never before. But it also needs to be coupled with the power of God. See, you can't have the love of God without the power of God and vice versa. So weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. We have talked about Joseph. We've talked about the various coat. We talked about the coat of many colors. How many remembers the coat of many colors? The coat of many colors was given to him by his father as an act of favor upon him. It was an act of favor, but it also made him a target of the enemy. So the coat that was meant for favor also became a coat that was targeted. The outer garment that we spoke about last week, how many remember Potiphar's wife? Who was trying to get Joseph, trying to persuade him to lie with her, right? The outer garment that was left into her hands, you remember that outer garment that was torn from Joseph's back by Potiphar's wife, he, she attempted to seduce him. You understand that that outer garment, because there are types and shadows all throughout the Bible, that outer garment is a type of Jesus. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the Lord covers me from sin. Hallelujah. I thought I'd have more amens and one more hand raised than what I've seen today. I'm thankful today that the Lord covers me from sin. Look at your neighbor and say, He covers me. Look at your neighbor and say, He has covered me. Look at your other neighbor and say, He will cover me. He covers me from sin. I'm reminded of, of, of Romans chapter number 13 and verse number 14 where it says, Put on the Lord Jesus. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. So the coat and the garment was one of favor. Say favor. It was one of favor. His coat, his garment had gotten him in trouble again. Can I tell you the favor of God is going to draw trouble? The favor upon your life is going to draw trouble. There's an enemy, there's a thief that cometh yet but to steal, kill, and destroy. The favor of God, or let's bring it into modern terms, something that we can understand, the anointing of God is going to draw trouble in our life. It will attract hardship. It will attract lies. Amen? Anybody ever been on the receiving end of a lie before? It will attract misunderstandings. It will attract struggles. It will attract pain. It will, it will attract character assassinations. When we are in Christ, we are not just favored, but we are favored to win. 
How many knows he's never lost a battle? Therefore, he will never lose a battle. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready. Because we're in a battle. We're in a battle today. And we're favored. And I want you to realize, I don't know about you, but I've been watching some of the NBA playoffs and all kinds of stuff. And do you ever get the idea that these games are fixed? Anybody ever get these ideas? Can I tell you, in this game of life, we as believers, the game is fixed. It seems like right now that the devil is winning and that all hell is breaking loose all around us. But I've read the back of the book. I said I've read the back of the book. And Jesus said that he that endures to the end shall be saved. I've read the book. I understand that he wins, we win, we all win together. So if you're saved today... You will spend eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ. And here's the thing about heaven. We're no longer going to have to worry about sin. We're no longer going to have to worry about temptation. We're not going to have to worry about the struggles of life. We're not going to have even a thought of sin again. Isn't that going to be marvelous? Isn't that going to be fantastic? Don't you feel like sometimes that you trip over your own feet? Because the, the thoughts and the intents of the hearts as it was in the days of Noah were, were evil continually and you feel like sometimes your thoughts get the best of you. How many of those you've got to cast down those thoughts and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So we have a Savior that we're one day going to spend eternity in heaven with and we're no longer going to have to deal with this sinful flesh. Aren't you thankful for that? Isn't that a wonderful promise that we have? I don't want to live this life. And I mentioned perfunctory earlier. And some of y'all was like, I could tell by the look on your face. Where is he going with this? Perfunctory. I, I don't want to be just a wooden statue. Just sit around and not do anything. I had somebody tell me one time, like they came into a service and they go, well, I came in today to see if God was going to touch me. The question is, are we going to touch God? Because the aroma of our praise, when that woman with the alabaster box rolled in and was trying to get to Jesus, she opened up that box and poured it on his feet as an act of worship. Listen, God wants to know what level of worship you are looking to try to endeavor upon today. If you're wanting a little bit, he'll give you a little bit. But if you're willing to open the box, he'll give you good measure. Press down, shake it together, run it over. Don't me give unto you. But listen, it's all according to what we give is what we're going to get. See, we live in a generation that just wants to give a little, but get a whole lot. So we have to have this mindset. So I don't want to be this wooden statue. I'm thankful for today for the day that God will, will take away and he will defeat all of the sins that we deal with. All of the things that we struggle with today. How many of those one day lies are going to have to bow at the feet of Jesus? How many knows one day that lust is going to have to bow at the, knee, at, the, at the feet of Jesus Christ? How many knows that one day fornication and adultery and murder and homosexuality and unforgiveness and idolatry and dishonor of parents and drunkenness and every mind-altering drug is going to have to bow at the feet of Jesus? Why? Because it's defeated. It's defeated. Hate. 
Manipulation is going to have to bow at the feet of Jesus. Unforgiveness is going to have to bow at the feet of Jesus. Why? Because it's defeated. I don't want to go to heaven to a place where all of these things are going to be. In Revelation chapter number 20, verse number 10, the Bible says, And the devil that deceived them, who's them? The people, the individuals, was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Somebody said to me one time, I would preach from this verse, they said, Pastor, that sounds horrible. That's a horrible place. I said, it is a horrible place. And he asked, this person asked me, said, is the devil really that bad? Can I tell you, the Bible didn't call him a father of lies for nothing. He's the father of lies. He's a deceiver. The Bible calls him an accuser of the brethren. He's a deceiver. Listen, you can't play nice with the devil. Amen. I said, we can't play nice with the devil. We, we can't play nice. We can't play nice with him. The, the devil is going to pay for the destruction that he has caused trying to win the hearts and the infection of God's people. Trying to win over the hearts of God's people. Trying to create this competition, this divided allegiance, if you will, for God's people. So can you imagine what this earth is going to be like after the rapture of the church? Brother Chad, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slip over to the other mic. Can you imagine what it's going to be like on this earth after the rapture of the church takes place? Can you imagine a place that's nothing but darkness? Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so therefore shine before men, that when they see your good works, they will glorify your heavenly Father which art in heaven. Can you imagine a place and a space? Can you imagine Kansas City with no Christians? Can you imagine Kansas City with no light, if you will? Nothing but darkness. And somebody told me one time, said, you know what? I'm just going to wait till God comes and then I'm just going to hang out on the earth here and, and try to figure it out and I'll, I'll serve the Lord after that. Listen, I told the person, I was just straight up and honest. I said, if you can't serve God before the rapture, you probably won't serve him after the rapture. If you can't serve God in an environment where you've got a lot of light, you'll never serve God in a place of darkness. But I want us to know, and I want this to be an encouraging message today, to realize that we win. Right now, it looks like we're losing. It looks like we're losing ground everywhere. It looks like in society we're losing. But I want you to know that we win and the game is fixed. It's, we have been winning. We have always going to win this thing. But I want you to realize that faithfulness is the key to the kingdom. Faithfulness. It's not time to grow weary and quit and just give in to the spirit of the age. God can use anybody but a quitter. He can't use anybody. He can't use a quitter. We, none of us like quitters. In John chapter, or Jude chapter number 1, verse number 3, he says, Beloved, church. He's talking to the church. When I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you 
that you should earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Earnestly contend for the faith. One translation says this, fight fiercely, fight sternly for the faith. We have to fight. Look at your neighbor and say, we are in a fight right now. Everywhere around us, we're in a fight for the faith which was once committed unto us. What are we fighting for? We are fighting, and where are we fighting, and what are we fighting for? We're fighting first off in our prayer closets. Amen? We're fighting in our prayer, or we should be. We should be fighting in our prayer closets. Amen? We're also going to be fighting in the voting booth. I didn't get too many amens on that. But we got to fight everywhere. We need to be, be fighting in our prayer closets. We need to fight in the voting booths. Because here's the thing that we need right now, beloved. And I don't know, I'm feeling this really urgent right now. This is a heaviness that's upon me, even this very moment. We need to vote out the anti-God, the anti-Christ agenda, the devilish agenda. We need to vote them right out of office. Okay. I got a few people that are agreeing. We need to vote out the Antichrist, anti-God agenda, devilish agenda. Where, Pastor? From all the school boards? Yes. From the city municipalities? From the state government? From the, from the national? We need to claim this nation once again as a Christian nation. We need to fight for this nation. See, we can't sit on our thumbs anymore. We are in a battle. We realize we win, but we have to stay active in this battle. See, you can't win the war if you decide to just go put your, put your weaponry up and just decide, you know what, I'm just going to go. What is our weapon? The weapons of our warfare are carnal, but they're mighty through God. The word of the Lord is the spirit, or the, or the word of the Lord is the sword of the spirit in our life. It's the one weapon that we have to go on the offense with. It's, our, it's the Word. It's His Word. It's, it's what we need to fight for. So we need to claim this nation back as a nation of God. Amen? How many's with me on this today? Anybody else feeling this in your spirit? So what's the key, Pastor? What's the key? We need to be ready. We need to be ready. Look at your neighbor and say, be ready. Look at your other neighbor and say, get ready. Why? Because Matthew 24 and 44 says this, In an hour you think not, the Son of Man comes. In an hour you think not, when everybody's just kind of going along and they think, you know what, I'm just going to go on my way, I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger barns. The Lord said, in an hour you think not, I'm about to come and split the eastern skies wide open. The dead in Christ will rise first, and those which are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the clouds with Him. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for that time. I'm ready for that place. And here's the thing. I'm not scared. We've got a world all around us of people that are scared. I'm not scared. I'm prepared. We've got to be prepared. We've got to be ready to go. And what did the Bible say? He said, comfort. Jesus said these words. Comfort one another with these words. In a world that's driven by fear right now, we can comfort them knowing that the Lord is going to come back at some point. 
for His people. He's not going to leave us here. I've heard scholars talk about the rapture of the church and some believe, oh, well, I don't know about that. The word caught up is in the script, script but the word rapture is not it. Well, the word caught up is the word rap, where we get the word rapture from. You've never seen in the scripture anywhere where God did not pull out his people before judgment fell upon the place. In the days of Noah, you see, he built that ark for 120 years and he preached the gospel to those people and he loved on those people and he tried to get them to pull it. None of the people changed. He built that ark. But then when that door shut, that was it. He saved the righteous in that hour. God is always about saving His people. And so I'm looking forward to the rapture. And so those should be comforting words. It shouldn't allow anxiety to build up on the inside of us. Look at your neighbor and say, be ready. Look at your other neighbor and say, get ready. Okay, now here I'm about to tell you something here. I haven't even told my wife this. I was at school the other night. And I, 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 was, I was talking to a gentleman, one of, the, one of the guys that I work with, and I won't mention his name because he usually watches the podcast or listens to the podcast. I was talking to him and, and about serious stuff going on as we're talking about right now with our nation. He was really worried. And I was talking to him, just trying to give him some comfort in the scriptures and, and things like that. And what I thought was, first off, I thought, is even the world understands we're in a mess. I'm not talking about believers. I'm talking about people that are in the world even understand we're in a mess right now. And they're trying to figure out how are we going to get out of this? Well, we understand there's one way, one truth, one life, and that's in Jesus Christ. We get all that. We have to live that life out for this world. So we were talking about all of these things and he was talking about his kids and all the stuff that he had going on in this particular weekend coming up. You know, one, one, one child is in baseball one one daughter's in soccer and one daughter's in dance and, and one, he had, oh, I got these birthday parties coming up and all this kind of stuff. And I looked at him with the most serious look and I said to him, what, do you, what you need to do is get those kids in church. You say, Pastor, I don't really know about talking to people like that. I'm not talking about in a hateful way. I'm talking about where people understand your heart. And they know you're not trying to be mean, but you're trying to help bring correction. Because listen, we miss opportune moments just trying to lay back and not say things to people because we're worried about what the response is going to be. How are they going to respond to me? I'll tell you what, they're going to respond. He's going to, they're going to respond just like this gentleman did. He kind of looked at me a little bit with a, stare, with a blank stare and wanted me to say more. Is there anything against soccer? Is there anything against dance? Is there anything against ball? No, my girls all play volleyball. We have things going on all the time. But listen, there has to be, you have to have some order in life. I looked at him and I told him this, and I know this just wounded his spirit because he's a coach. I said, do you realize those kids are never going to make pro? Less than a half a percent of athletes ever make pro. The likelihood is slim to none and slim stayed home and that none is not around. They'll never make it. So, you can't just lean upon that. So the odds are slim to none. 
And this is the thing. And the devil is giving you every excuse in the world not to serve God right now. That's what I told him. The devil is giving you, you don't understand, Tim. I've just, I've put all this money into dance. Well, you need to take some of that money back and give it to the church. How about that? The church is what's going to sustain your children for generations to come. That ball team and that coach is going to go on and do something different. Move on to another team and probably forget your child's name. But I serve a God who never forgets his children. I serve a God who never forgets his children. He knows the very hairs of the head that are on each one of us today. And listen, I think this kingdom is worth investing into. $2,500 for a few games on a baseball field. I also told him, I said, you know we're a few generations away from losing Christianity in this nation? Some scholars believe we're one generation away. And I declared to him this one thing. I said, your children do not have a fighting chance without God. Missionaries, I was telling him, missionaries are coming now to the United States of America. The U.S. is now a mission field. You got people coming from all over the world. You say, Pastor, you're just kind of pumping this whole thing up. Listen, do we really think that this is being pumped up today when you look at the news? There's a lot of things going on and we've, we've got to be diligent and, and diligent and ready. Missionaries are coming. We have to get our priorities right. We have to seek first the kingdom of God. This is what I told you. And all these things will be added unto you. And so I finished talking to him and he looked like a deer in the headlights and he left. He left his shift. Well, this was about 4.30 in the morning. So he finished his shift and he went home and I was alone in the building. And I was walking back to the area where I typically am stationed in. And I've often thought what the security people think about me because there's nights when I'm just praying because they go back and watch the film. I'm just walking around the building talking. Nobody's around me. Speaking in tongues. Praying over the school. You see wickedness everywhere. So I was walking back to the area where I was at. I was praying seeking the Lord. and I had perceived that the moment that him and I were in was this God moment. Have you ever been there before where you just know this is a God moment? And so I perceive this as a God moment. So I'm the only one left in the school at this point. And all of a sudden I hear this commotion. I'm the only one here. Now, these old buildings, this building was built in like the late 50s, mid 50s somewhere. And all of it, you know, it, it makes weird sounds all the time. The HVAC unit kicks on and all of a sudden things start, doors start slamming and do, do, do weird stuff. All of a sudden, I started hearing this commotion. I looked at this main hallway and I seen this dark figure. You say, Pastor, you're getting a little crazy. I'm telling you what I saw, beloved. I'm telling you there's a spirit of Antichrist roaming in this land right now. I've seen this dark figure. I've seen this evil figure. I've seen this wicked figure. And this, this, this figure was about 15 yards away from me. Roaming up and down the hallways like this, back and forth. 
the agenda, the things that are going on. I've talked to you about the school systems and all the things that are going on with this over the past. This devil, if you will, was roaming back and forth. And I'm telling you what, I've never seen something so wicked and vile and evil in all of my life. Stephen King can't touch it. You say, Pastor, you really believe all that stuff? I absolutely do. I believe if you knew what was going on right above us right now, there was a war in the heavenlies, you would probably be scared out of your mind. But if you have Christ in your heart, you're not scared. I wasn't even in the least bit fearful. I don't say that out of pride and arrogance. I'm saying that because I believe I'm a child of the Most High. And that greater is he that is in me than any spirit that's in this world. And so as I've seen this dark, vile, wicked spirit walking back and forth, trying to intimidate me, if you will, trying to look at me and almost try to create this intimidation factor. Some of you young people are like, oh man, I'm finally listening to the pastor. Right? There's a real devil. There's a real hell. And there's a real devil that will lead you to that hell. And you need to follow God in all of your ways. And so I, I, I begin to watch this thing roam back and forth in these hallways. And this is what this vile voice said to me. I can't even muster up the groan in the voice. This vile voice said to me, I'm coming back later when you are gone. And I thought to myself, Lord, we need people on guard. That devil knew he did not have another place or space as long as I was in the school. Not because I'm good, but because greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. And we have to be in a position where the devils will flee at the very name of God. Tim Wirtz showing up on the scene. Barbara Vanderlyn is showing up on the scene. Chad Hill showing up on the Wherever you show up, let the devil be put on the run. And all I remember seeing was this thing float up into the atmosphere right above the ceiling tiles and it was gone right like that. And I remember my dad several years ago, he would use this saying all the time. I said, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. See, we've got to put the devil out. We play around with the devil. We play around with things. And I'm reminded in Matthew chapter, and I'm trying to bring this to a landing strip, LT. Just hang on for a few more minutes. Your fingers are probably sore, but we're good. Matthew 12, verses 43 to 45 says, When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest, and he finds none. Verse 44 goes on to say, Then he says, I will return to the house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty. And I'm about to bring this to a landing strip. He finds it empty. He finds it swept. And he finds it in order. Amen? Then he goes and he takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and they dwell there. And the state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it also be with this wicked generation. But then I'm reminded... Of Ephesians chapter number 4 in verse 17 where the Bible says give no place to the devil look at your neighbor and say give no place 
You've got to put the devil on the run. You've got to put the devil on the run. And here's what I want to remind you of. This was Friday. God reminded me. He immediately reminded me that our church is in a time of prayer and fasting. It was Fast Friday. Spencer, you know all you know those, those, those stomach pains that you had and not being able to indulge upon that milkshake and that double cheeseburger? It was worth it. You were warring in the heavenlies and didn't even know it. You laid aside that social media stuff for a period of time. What happened? Oh, I was jonesing, Pastor. I had to know what was going on on Facebook and Instagram and what they're all saying. And that was worth it. You set aside that time to spend time with the Lord and you fought in the heavens. And God reminded me that in Matthew chapter number 17 and verse number 21, that these spirits only come out but by prayer and fasting. That your prayers and your fasting is making inroads into this generation. Inroads into this. Inroads into that school that I'm even at. We're putting the devil on the run. Come on, somebody. We're putting the enemy on the run today. We got to get ready. Look at your neighbor and say, we got to get ready. Get ready. So I know some of y'all haven't been fasting at all. Get ready to start fasting. I'm not condemning anyone. If you haven't fasted, that's okay. We can start this week. Fast Fridays. Spencer's going to put it out on Facebook. Everybody will get the reminder. I'll put it out on Remind if you're on the list. And you'll get that text message. Fast. Pray. Why? Because this nation, our generation needed, our children needed, our grandchildren, great-grandchildren needed. Don't get distracted by everything else. It may not be sports with you. It could be everything else under the sun. Let's stand to our feet for a few moments. I'm going to have my beautiful wife come. She's going, we're going to serve community. This is off the cuff. This was all 430 this morning coming to me. Okay? So just be aware this is not going to look like a traditional communion service. But what I want us to do real quick is I want us to bow our heads. I know it's a different message. I know it's different. But there's an urgency. There's an urgency in my spirit today. There's an urgency right now. And I want you to pray. Come on, help me pray for just a few moments. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we just come before you today. We magnify you today. We worship you today. We ask that you would move in a mighty way. Lord, help us to be a conduit in this generation, Lord, that, that seems so dark and so lost right now, God. I pray, Lord, in some way, shape, or form that my testimony, that something that I have to offer, the encouraging word of the Lord, would somehow, some way, penetrate the heart of someone around me. They may look like a deer in the headlight. It may be an uncomfortable conversation that we have to have. But Lord, I believe it will have eternal effects upon us. I pray right now, God, we would come out of a place of timidity. Lord, that we would become bold in our faith. Not arrogant, not prideful, but bold in our faith. Strong in our faith. Strong in our faith today.
bold in our faith. Here's what I want us to do. Sister Tara's filling up um, some cups here. I want us to just maybe start on this side over here. I want us to come through. She's got some oyster crackers up here as well. I want us to start, Jason, just help lead the way. I want us to just go row by row.